And now, your local forecast. So if you're joining us for the first time, my name is M4 Sonic, joined by my co-host, Chief Street. We're music producers, we're creators, we're recording from Matrix Recording Studio in Adelaide, and we're just talking all things music, creativity, bit of background on us, what we've been up to, what we're planning to do what we've done in the past. We're hoping this will be helpful for not only other producers and creatives, but also our audiences, because it's really hard to engage with people these days. You know, it's, it's hard to have a meaningful relationship with our audience. So in saying that, if you follow along on Spotify or Apple Music, or if you're watching on YouTube, hit that subscribe button, show us some love, get in the comment section, say hi. We're actually really friendly. Anyway, Chief Street, how are you? I'm doing well today. How are you, man? You're doing well today. We're doing yeah. well the other day. No, no, just feeling good, you know. <laughs> Got a fresh cut, as everyone can see. My, oh, nice. My bold-ass head shining bright. So I've been wearing a hat because I haven't cut my hair in ages, and it's like getting really long. And I'm just like, you know what? I'll just wear a hat. I'm just jealous. I wear the hat for a different reason. Cover up my head. I, if I wear a hat too long, I, it gets uncomfortable. Yeah. I mean, I went go-karting the other day, right? And I put on like a large helmet, and <laughs> I ended up having brain. a... Nah, dude. I should have gone XL. <laughs> That's what we're talking how big my head is. <laughs> So I feel the same. Every time I get a hat, it's like at the end, like the longest amount. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I have them hanging on one. So we need to make some custom Chief Street caps. Big yeah, cool. dome. So today we're talking about, and this is a follow-on from episode three. We talked about lots of roadblocks. This episode is about protecting your energy. And it's a really important one because creatives are, well, I identify creatives as being highly intelligent, emotionally intelligent people that are very vulnerable and volatile to energy. Because we ultimately give a lot of ourselves, we output a lot, and people are receptive to that. But at the same time, we can be, I guess, subject to a lot of negativity. I think we're actually pretty cruel to ourselves. Would you agree? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of self. You're always looking in the mirror. Does my music sound good? Mm. Does my content like engage with audiences? Do people look at me in the right way? Mm. There's a lot of caring about what other people think. And how crazy that we've made it about a statistic, right? Like it's a numbers game. Yeah. It's, it, like you said, there's just so much you can compare yourself with others that are, you always have that ability to look back at yourself and be like, oh, am I doing it right? Is this, is this up to standard? I saw a really interesting TikTok video the other day. And this guy was saying, he's a music producer, he's like, imagine you crashed in a plane at a desert island by yourself, right? But it's a magical plane. Somehow it can power your laptop forever. Okay. And there's food on this plane that will feed you forever. Okay. So you've got the bare necessities, right? But it's just you alone on this desert island. You can't access the internet, so you can't hear or see anything else that's happening. You're just isolated. What kind of music would you make that you would want to listen to on the regular to keep you happy? So it's you, just you and Ableton, basically. Mm-hmm. What would I make? Probably like, I would probably start writing lyrics and singing, I think. No so way. I would probably do like either hip-hop or maybe not so much that. But yeah, I, I wouldn't be writing the instrumental stuff. I think I would have that much emotion happening where I'd have to get it out. Yeah, why aren't you doing that now? Uh, probably scared of just, you know, like we were saying before, you're scared about what other people are looking at you at. I think I should explore it a bit more. because I, I think definitely, you should. Yeah. There's a really good vocal booth here. <laughs> I do know how to process vocals. Right? Yeah. Okay, so I sang on a backing track of a song that I haven't released yet. Indie Stanton is the lead vocal. Yeah. And it needed something in the mid-low range. And I used little Alter Boy and, and her voice sounds great. Down, yeah. But I was like, it's not doing the melody that I wanted. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to have a crack here. And like, you know, auto-tune the hell out of it. Because yeah. I, I, 
I'm a vocal engineer every day, so I know what I'm doing. I can literally make anything sound listenable. <laughs> if I can do it to my own voice, I can do it to anyone's. For sure. And it sounded good. Yeah, man. Like as a backing vocal, not as a lead vocal. And I pushed it like really far back in the mix just mm -hmm. to give that grit. I want to encourage you to try singing, try try writing, and and just nobody else listens to it. Just you in the car. Well, I've done it before. I write diss tracks for my friends. Just... <laughs> <laughs> about funny stuff that happens or like Do you remember that track you made about Dwayne? Oh, yeah, exactly. There you go. So I've expressed myself in music <laughs> before, but doing it from a serious sense is a bit scary. Like yeah. putting yourself out there in that way. Like I, I, we can sing, right? Because we know where to sit and how to sing and, and our, like, we're basically enough in tune that it's, you know, we don't sound like a dog like barking at things. <laughs> so I don't know why I can use a dog as the example. But you know what I mean? Like we can get in there, we can do the job good enough. Is it great? Is it good enough to sell? Probably not. Yeah. But if I was in that environment where it's like just me, I don't know if I could express myself enough just with music. That's amazing. Okay, so next time you're on a desert island and you have no internet, but you have a lifetime of food and electricity to your laptop, you're going to write some interesting music and see. Yeah, man. I think a lot of a lot of emotion would come out lyrically. Incredible. Okay. Well I really want to encourage that somehow. Whether it's I mean you've already got keys to the studio. So maybe you could just go in one night when nobody's here and just experiment. I've often thought about doing that. But here's here's my problem. I can't write lyrics. I find that sometimes just freestyle not freestyling it. Like I have any idea how to freestyle, but just playing the track and then coming up with it on the spot is how I work. Okay. I wouldn't be like, all right, I'm going to go to a park and I'm mm. going to write these words and then go try and find the song or whatever to match. Everybody has a different way of writing, sing like singing a song. I have so much respect. The, the first ever professional studio session I ever did with Stargate and Sia. Sia? Mm. So Sia, Sia discovered me. Bro. You didn't know that story? Nah, man. Tell me about that. So my dad messages me and he's like, Sia has tweeted about you. And I'm like, yeah, right, whatever that, yeah. Number one pop star in the world at yeah. the time. I think she just released Titanium with David Guetta. I'm like, yeah, yeah, cool, yeah. Sia's tweeted about it. I'm sure, you know, like you think your parents just like technology illiterate. I'm just like, surely not. Anyway, I checked. I was like, oh. It's the real Sia. Oh. Yeah, she tweeted, who is M4 Sonic? I wonder if I've got a screenshot somewhere. Anyway, turns out she was in a... Studio session with Stargate, Norwegian duo. Incredible. They've made pretty well most of the hits of the world. Think of Katy Perry, Rihanna, oh, just anyone that's basically had a, a hit, they've probably had something to do with, right? So I respond to the text, on, or the tweet rather, and I'm like, hey, it's me, fellow Aussie, fellow Adelaidean. That's what I was going to say. Is that why the connection came? Because she saw you were from Adelaide? I had no idea. No. And so it was what, a genuine fan see her. That's crazy, man. Well, no. I don't think she had any idea who I was. I think they, the, the Stargate right. producers had found one of my videos online and they're like, hey, you're from Adelaide. Do you know who M4 Sonic is? And Sia's like, mm, no. And so she tweeted, who is this man? <laughs> and people were like, oh, he's this launch bad person, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, then I'm on a plane to bloody New York to meet them all. Find myself in a recording studio with Sia and Stargate. Mind blowing. And we're listening through some tracks that I'd made that were pretty amateur, but had a lot of musicality. They had a lot of like, I think the, the, the musical side of things was good. The, the technical execution wasn't. So they were fine. like demos, basically? Yeah. yeah, and Stargate was just going to jump in and like do their magic. And what happened is we had maybe three or four 
Records and one of them unfortunately never went out. It's called Lean On Me. But Sia had her laptop open and she would listen to a demo and without any, like, not thinking like, oh, what kind of song do I want to write? She would just interpret it and she would hum along to it and record that. And her very first interpretation of the song, this thing on that very first demo, and whatever came to her naturally in that moment in time, she would then take that audio recording, that voice memo, and structure the lyrics to the melody. Yep. And it's incredible listening to the very first mumble jumble of whatever compared to the final. I'm like, wow, those melodies were there from... Yeah, so, so she, she would establish the, the melody yep. and then go and put the words where they Correct. needed to do and to fit. Yeah, it's, that's right. You've got to get the syllables. incredible to, to I mean, that is the highest level of songwriter. Like, she's the incredible ta- now. Oh. I've never seen it so ever again. So you've seen her face? Because isn't her whole thing that she's kind of hidden away? Wow. So lovely. So lovely. I felt uh, really welcome in that session and I had no clout. Yeah. And I was you, just this YouTuber. It was all of a sudden sitting with, you know, the world's best producers and see, oh, oh, it was a topic for another day, but that was really, really special. And I'll always remember that. And then I've, I've since worked with other singer-songwriters who will, yeah, they've sort of like hum along. Mm and establish like the core melody and then write to that. And then others, complete opposite. They'll they have like, oh, I've got these lyrics that I used in another project that I haven't released yet, so I'm going to reuse those, regurgitate those, and everyone has their own way. Yeah, I've seen the second one a lot. I cannot write lyrics to save my life. That's interesting. Uh, so Because like, I think you could do the, the approach, the seer approach, right? I'm sure you could write the melody. I wouldn't be able to hum it or vocalize it though. I would have it in my head and transcribing that or translating that rather to keys. Yeah, I definitely. There's some weird way that I write melodies. It's just natural, right? You, you must feel the same. I mean, most musicians don't logically think, "How did I come up with this?" It's just I, did, I don't know. Just came up with. Yeah, it. Yeah, that's right? true. I had a quick question. Oh, what yeah. would you do in the the island situation? What music would you write? Oh, um, this is timely. I'm embarking on that right now. I am taking all professional pressure off myself because I think this is a really, it's probably the only time I'm going to get to do it. I'm starting again with no bias, no agenda other than I want to listen to this for me. Yeah, no yeah. like, oh, will Tiesto play this? Yeah, which is what everyone does, right? Yeah. And, you know, it's unfortunately how, I was just saying off off camera before before we started this, There's there's two types of music business, right? There's the music creation business and recording studios of that, which is what we all do here. And then there's the music exploitative business, right? Which is how do you take a product and monetize it? Mm. So record labels, music publishers, agencies, all that, that is all about monetizing. So you're saying the real, there's real music, like there is the music and then mm. there's everything that else that revolves around it. And everything gets branded as the music industry. And I don't like that because they're two very, very different Unfortunately, systems. that's just where we are at the moment where it's like if you're not pushing the music, mm. it's just, it's, unfortunately, it has to go hand in hand now. There is no just like, unless you're at big, big levels maybe mm. where you can do a Skrillex and drop two albums, mm. one, two days after the other one, then where's your content to back it up? Let's, let's use an analogy like a farmer, okay? So you've got these basically very small plots in a back garden with the best tasting tomatoes in the world, right? Are you going to get that stocked on the, the main shelf of Woolies? You're not. 
the the major farms that have hundreds of thousands of acres and can mass produce all this stuff, they've got the contracts, they've got the in, they've got the deal. They are just this big machine and uh, they don't need to worry about the facilitation of selling it. It's just like they rock up, produce the goods. And what I'm trying to, I don't know if I'm doing a very good job, but what I'm trying to, the, the picture I'm trying to paint is that there is massive teams and massive machines behind the very successful people that we see on this tiny little screen on our phone. Like huge teams, right? And then you've got these incredibly talented small timers that likely won't get the same airtime because they're not part of a bigger machine, a bigger system. And I've seen both sides and it's really, really fascinating. When you say huge teams, can you put a number on that? Yeah, I think at Armada Music, I could be wrong, but I think Luke was telling me that there's 300 people at Armada. So if you're one artist, how many people would you have working in your team? Okay, I won't name drop. Two of the most successful Australian exports that I know of currently have nine people around the world working for them full-time at any one. So are those people taking care of their own countries and areas? So Territory-specific. Like, yeah, yeah. um, and that includes gigs, publishing, yeah. well, putting the music I, out, okay, advertising look, it there. So at the peak of when I was really busy, I had an agency in Australia, I had an agency in the UK, I had an agency in America, I had management on the ground here, I had management in America, I had a record label in America, I had a publisher in the UK, and all those agencies had my point of contact, their assistant, and their entire team. Like William Morris Endeavour is the largest agency in the world for entertainment, and we were very fortunate to get in with the top of Electronic, which is why I was able to score these huge shows. But underneath that, they have these huge teams. Then, you know, you've got your legal team. Then you've got your, you've got your main contact. Like I had, I think, had three lawyers at one time for, for when we're doing our deals as opposed to like when we're doing our trademarks and when we're doing all this. Like, it was crazy. Can you see how this is very daunting for someone who's at a lower level of their career where they're like, well, how am I supposed to? You can't compete. And then when you have a team, then you have to get a really good bookkeeper and a really good accountant because you've, you've got to manage all the funds because everybody's taking a clip on the ticket. Then you've got your manager and then you might have your management agency. Like, there, there were so many people that got involved and it got really interesting there because once you fit the machine, the machine needs to have fuel. And my job was to make the fuel. Yeah. <laughs> at that point, I was a little out of my depth, to be honest. So everyone's looking at you like, hey man, where's the music? Yeah, absolutely. And we need the best. Yeah, totally. And then you, you get offered opportunities where, well, what if this other producer steps in and writes music and you're like, I don't like the sound of this music. They're like, yeah, but you know, it's going to fit the, the trend and stuff. And I think I had a real, I was really strong headed about the direction I wanted my music to go in. And when the system changed, I think I needed to be a little bit more flexible and able to pivot. And so what I've learned now, if you can do something really brilliant and, and unique and really well, and you get the right team of people around you that are willing to support it, fantastic. But that's pretty rare. It's just hard. It, it doesn't have to be hard. It's just, it's, okay, so one of the things that I've mentioned a couple of times now is about people. Here's a, a fun fact for all you aspiring music producers. When you sign a record label deal, put something in which is called a first person clause. Ever heard of that? No, please explain. Partly why I think I had points of friction along my career was that I established these awesome relationships with awesome people that went on to different and other things. Yeah, okay. I think I know where this is going. Continue. So when you sign a record label, if you've had this kick-ass A&R, it's like, Chief Street, I found you on SoundCloud. I love your music. I want to meet you. 
let's hang out. And all of a sudden you become best buds with this A&R. And they're like, look, I just happen to work at the largest electronic label in the world. I think you'd make a great fit. Why don't you come work with me and you and I and your manager, whatever. We're just going to like, we're just going to kill it. I was like, sign me up. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to Oscar and Jeremy at Ultra. Like, sign me up. The first guy that found me at Ultra actually was leaving at the time that he was bringing me on board. Palmed me to Oscar. Oscar was incredible. But Oscar also went on to bigger and better things. And at that point, you're like, where do I contact now? And the next person may not be as interested in you. They're like, oh, we're really focusing on like pop records right now. We're, like, we're not into this like electro dub stuff. But like, yeah, yeah, yeah well, I heard that you're this guy. Like, it's nice to meet you and stuff. But you don't really have that. You, you got to have people believe in you. And it's the same at my agency even in Australia. I had this really cool agent that went on to make this healthcare product that just exploded. And so he's like, hey, sorry, bud. I'm actually going to go pursue this now. But I'll hand you to this guy. He's going to look after. He's going to be great. It's like... Nah. He didn't build that up with you. And that happened to me so many times. Like even my management team, I had the most kick-ass manager. And then to this day, I still don't know what happened, but he was just like, look, man, I'm going to be doing this other stuff for a bit. Like I'm still like invested, but like I've got to pay my attention to this right now. And that was just like a cop out and just went off and did that. And like spoke to the management agents like, okay, so… Who's going to be looking after her? Oh, we'll give you this assistant. And this assistant was just like, yeah, cool. Like, we're going to do this. We're going to do this. I'm like, nah, it's just not. It's just not. So when you have the right people and behind every successful artist, they have had someone really believe in them from day dot. And mostly they've, they've stuck it out. Yeah. Like you need to have someone that believes in you more than you believe in you to make this. And, you know, I'm looking at you right now, man. I'm like, I really believe in you. Like you, like you tick all the boxes for what it takes to make this shit. So like, don't ever be demotivated or feel like out of depth or out of your league. Like that's how everyone feels. And then all of a sudden we will just attract the right people at the right time for the right reasons that resonate with us and shit happens. Thanks, man. That's very nice of you to say. Yeah. So there you go. So again, this whole episode is about protecting your energy and finding people that resonate with you and your energy. Uh, I kind of want to like wrap this up with something a bit more fun. I started playing PlayStation again. The first time in three years, because I lent my, my PlayStation to a friend. I got it back. Really need to upgrade to the PS5. Played Grand Theft Auto. Devastated. Why? There's all these griefers, right? What is Flying griefer? Around, oh, you know, people that just deliberately go out of their way to just like be a pain in the ass. So is this online? Yeah. Yeah, right. So, you know, I sign in. I still got my character. I still got my, my super yacht and Grand Theft Auto. Still got my like cool businesses and whatnot. I walk out the building. This is what anybody that plays would know what I'm talking about. Mm. And boom, someone on a hover bike just blows me up. Hover bike? That's not realistic. Where the, where the hell do hover bikes come from? In the last three years, they've updated this. People can get like crazy weapons and like flying cars and shit. That's not Grand Theft Auto. So what happens when you die? You respawn. But like say I'm driving like my fancy ass car and whatever yeah. and they blow that up. Got to go like ring the insurer. Oh my God. Got to get it remade. So you will eventually get your staff back. You do, but oh no, oh, it's but, a process. Yeah. What grief is doing, I've done this to people. Uh, there's these missions where like you rob someone or whatever, or you'll be doing a job in the heist and, and to finish the mission, you just got to get back to your base and deliver the goods. And just at the very end, they just come out of nowhere and they blow you up. So they just wait by that place knowing that everyone... Yeah. And you fail the mission and you've just spent an hour. <laughs> Not even just an hour. Like you may have spent like half an hour in a lobby waiting to get into the damn mission, right? Yeah. You've just started playing... The Harry Potter game? Yeah, Hogwarts Tell me Legacy. About that that oh, looks man. pretty cool. I don't play many single-player games. Like, I'm more of a multi, multiplayer guy. Yeah. I like playing with my friends online, 
talking shit, yep. killing people. So <laughs> COD and Halo when it was good. And, but yeah, I stumbled upon this because I was like, well, I'm going to give it a crack. It looks awesome. I've heard good things. And man, it is like the best game, I've, best single player game I've ever played. You're a wizard, Harry. Man, it's so good. It's so easy to play. I, I tell everyone, I'm like, you could put it, like plug it in and yeah. have fun straight away off the bat. And it's not overwhelming. It's not hard. Like I've tried to play the other single player games like Witcher and Skyrim, which I know are great and yeah, but I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not into that. Yeah, no. and I'm not here to say they're bad games. But for me, I don't want to go to the blacksmith and <laughs> bloody, you know, get my iron ore and then, you know, no, nah, not for me. So the fact you can just destroy your stuff in Harry Potter, you get money, you keep moving on. Your bag is not What's like the aim this, of the game? Uh, there's, well, there's an evil goblin and he's trying to uh, harness this ancient magic. And you need to stop that from happening. No, 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 no. It's sick. Yeah. It's really good. Like, visually, it's fantastic. The gameplay is awesome. The quests are quick. Like, it just ticks all the boxes, man. I think for casual gamers, it is, like, on point. You can get on your broom and fly around and the whole place looks beautiful. And That does sound kind of cool. I spent 20 minutes in a garage in Grand Theft Auto <laughs> trying to select the right rims for my Range Rover. Well, they've got a whole room in Harry Potter where you can pretty much customize the entire thing. It's called the Room of Requirement. And uh, I know that sounds geeky as. We're not but, sponsored, by the way. Um, but we're going to put a question out to the audience. What games are you playing? I think, I reckon there's a direct correlation between like music producers and gaming. It's a good, good way to switch off. So who's playing games? What are you playing? How can we play with you? Because like, I reckon we have a gaming night at the studio. I'd love that. Miles, you can't see him, he's off camera. Miles is sitting in the corner here and Miles brought in his Nintendo 64. <laughs> and we hooked it up to an old school projector. So we've got like a photo studio here at the studio. If you, if you don't know where we're recording from, it's called Matrix Recording Studio. Look it up. We've got a film studio with this massive white cyclorama. Get this projector. We've got Mario Kart. Actually, we should do that later today, today guys. Yeah. And um, we, we sucked. Like actual sucked. None, none, none of us placed on the podium. Like I'd be worse than uh, you. I, I never had a 64 in that, so I would just be trash. Yeah. Reason also that it's important to talk about gaming, it's important that you do something for fun and like as an adult too, you're not just always constantly like on the grind, on the hustle and whatever. And we, we talked about roadblocks in episode three, partly how to motivate yourself and to, to stay inspired is to do stuff that you enjoy. A lot of us are introverts, so it's okay to be part of a community that's online and maybe not in the real world. But do stuff that's fun and I reckon you'll find that you, you start to be like, oh, yeah, I just had a bit of fun online. Maybe I'll jump back on Ableton and start singing opera like Chief Street so that's, that he's going to do when he's yeah. on Desert Island. you got to switch off at times. Like even take like a week off or two weeks off. Like go away. Wouldn't that be nice? Yeah, it's a bit different for you running a business. But for me, <laughs> sometimes I can just go, which yeah. is really good because, you know, you work hard, you do, do as much as you can and then you say you wrap up a project or something, you're like, okay, I need a reset. Mm. And then you go disconnect, mm -hmm. turn off your Instagram and you turn off your phone and then you come back and then you start up again. Yeah, and listen to this or watch this. Listen yep. to this podcast or watch this on YouTube to uh, get motivated, get inspired. And anyway, drop us a line. You can either leave a comment on YouTube or at some point in time, I've got a Discord, but I don't use it. At some point in time, we, we'll try and engage with the community maybe in one, one spot. But for now, uh, reach out to Chief Street at Chief Street on Instagram, at M4Sonic for me, at Matrix Adelaide if you want to follow the recording studio. Make sure you hit the like and subscribe button. I don't, it irks me to even ask you to do that, but it's not my fault. Like literally the algorithm hates me. Uh, at this point in time, I think on YouTube, I've got 600,000 subscribers to which, mom, 
dad, chief, Miles, they're the only ones they're going to see when I post this video because internet. Thank you for tuning in. Until next time. Internet. <laughs> <laughs>